From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. The Senate Republican health care bill, drafted in secret, was unveiled yesterday. The bill includes sharp cuts to Medicaid for the poor and disabled, eliminates Obamacare's taxes on the wealthy, insurers and others, and would repeal Obamacare's mandate that most Americans have health insurance. Here are reactions from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Independent Senator Bernie Sanders, and Republican Senator Rand Paul. We agreed on the need to free Americans from Obamacare's mandates and policies contained in the discussion draft will repeal the individual mandate so Americans are no longer forced to buy insurance they don't need or can't afford. This is barbaric. Frankly, this is what oligarchy is all about. It's the wealthy and powerful saying, we need even more tax breaks, despite the fact they're doing phenomenally well. And if it means people in America dying, if it means throwing 23 million people off of health insurance, as we look at the expense of the bill, we actually believe in the first year or two that it may well cost more than Obamacare. The hardest hit are likely to be low-income families and seniors, but the bill will deliver tax cuts to the wealthiest Americans. My guests are Timothy Jost, a professor at Washington and Lee University Law School, and Abby Gluck, a professor at Yale University Law School. Tim, what stands out to you in this Senate health care bill? Well, I think precisely what we've been hearing about for the last couple of minutes, which is that it includes massive tax cuts for um, wealthy Americans and for corporations, particularly people earning more than a quarter of a million dollars a year. Uh, It's going to uh, cut back on federal support for the Medicaid program and phase out uh, coverage under the Medicaid expansions in many states. And although it is a little bit more generous, arguably, than the House bill with respect to the premium tax credits for lower-income people, um, it is going to um, – the, the, the tax credits are going to purchase only uh, – will be keyed to plans with very, very high deductibles and cost-sharing that will be almost useless to low-income people. And finally, it would allow states to waive um, some of the most important protections under the Affordable Care Act. So it is a very serious step backward from the Affordable Care Act. Abby, what's your take? Um, you know, uh, unsurprisingly, I agree, agree with much of what Tim said, but I would just add two additional points. Uh, one point I would say is that this bill does not actually do anything to resolve what the Republicans said the problems with Obamacare were in the first place. So they said they were coming in to uh, reduce out-of-pocket costs for consumers and stabilize the insurance market, and this bill is almost certain to do the opposite, worsen our out-of-pocket costs, not just for the poor, very importantly, for the average middle-class American, and also continue to destabilize the insurance market. And the other thing I would just point out that people under, so people understand is that 
it's sort of a joke to say that this is a repeal of Obamacare, because although it guts the provisions of Obamacare and is stingy and will wind up in a much less, much less effective version of Obamacare, it actually keeps in place some of the things that Obamacare initiated, most particularly the reforms on the insurance industry that now require insurers to insure all of us at essentially equal prices. So in some ways, it's actually a testament to how many people actually like some of the innovations of Obamacare. And the Senate Republicans are trying to kind of have it both ways. They're trying to keep the things that are popular, but they also want to say they did something different. And the result is a bill that's just going to be the worst of every world. Uh, Tim, what about older people in this? This would allow insurers to charge older people five times as much as younger people. The limit now is three times. How, 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 do you have an idea how, how many people that might affect? Well, that is correct. Um, the, the House bill, um, I believe that the, um, the um, Office of the Actuary of CMS said that it would lead to about 800,000 people over 50 uh, losing coverage, uh, but it would also lead to um, many people uh, over 50 paying a whole lot more than they're paying now. The uh, Senate bill um, uh, uh, modifies the formulas that are currently used under the Affordable Care Act Currently, a person up to age 64 who earns less than 400% of the poverty level has to spend a maximum of, uh, well, when they're up at that level, has to spend a maximum of about 9.5% of their income before uh, they can get coverage uh, through the premium tax credits. The uh, Senate bill would change that for so that people uh, age close to age 65 would have to pay 16.5% of their income. It almost doubles it. Uh, and frankly, that's just going to be unaffordable for many older people. So the AARP has been very exercised about this because it really is going to be very bad news for older people. Uh, might make it a little bit more affordable for young people. I've been talking to Timothy Jost, a professor at Washington and Lee University Law School, and Abby Gluck, professor at Yale University Law School, about the Senate Republican health care bill. Abby, under the Senate bill, the federal government would continue paying crucial subsidies to health insurance companies through 2019. Is that a strategy to get through the midterms without insurers dropping out of the exchanges or hiking rates? Um, you know, possibly. I think that it's important to break that out a little bit. Um, for the last several years, the House of Representatives has been uh, engaged in a lawsuit that is attempting to stop these critical stabilization funds to the insurance industry, and that has contributed to the destabilization of the insurance markets. What you have in this bill is sort of uh, an olive branch or a bribe to the insurance industry to say, pass this bill the way we've written it, because we're including those crucial subsidies to the industry now. But it doesn't solve the bigger problem of the stabilization of the insurance exchanges. One thing this bill is missing is an incentive for individuals to go out and get insured. And the insurance markets need more customers out there to be able to sort of stabilize and move out the rates. They need young, healthy people on the exchanges. That was effectuated under the Affordable Care Act by the uh, widely hated by the Republicans uh, insurance purchase mandate. And while this bill gets rid of that, it doesn't put anything in its place. So on the one hand, insurers might be temporarily happy. But on the other hand, I can't see the insurance industry feeling very confident about the content of this bill. Tim, 
Now, let's talk about whether it's going to pass or not. McConnell says he wants a vote on the bill next week. There are four Republican senators who said in a joint statement they weren't ready to vote on the bill. But And there are other senators who have said they're unsure of, of certain provisions. So is it likely to pass? Um, boy, <laughs> I'm a law professor, not a, a, a prognostic, uh, someone who can uh, prognose that. Um, the uh, I think it is. I, I'm not sure it's going to pass by June 30th, uh, which is the last date for the July 4th recess and, and the, the target date that Senator McConnell has been working on. Um, but I think that the the, the four whom you noted uh, are going to try very hard to move this bill to the right. Uh, the moderates are expressing concerns but seem a little softer. Uh, I think it's quite possible that um, the bill will be polled uh, before the, the June 30th vote. Um, but I am pretty confident it's going to be back next month, and I think it's quite likely it'll pass by the end of the month uh, because they, they really have to do something. I mean, they've been promising this for years and years, and uh, I just don't see how they can go back to their constituency without doing something to, uh, to say that they have uh, in some way repealed the Affordable Care Act. Abby, what are your thoughts? Um, I think that uh, Kim is right, that the chances are probably better that, that the bill will pass and that it won't pass. But I do think that there's a big um, uh, marketing problem, again, by the Democrats with respect to this bill. Just like when the Affordable Care Act was rolled out, the Democrats did a really lousy job of explaining to the American public what was in the bill and why they should support it. I think people really don't understand what's in this bill. I think a lot of people out there think this is a Medicaid bill. Poor people are going to have their health benefits cut back. Some people don't want the government helping poor people. But I don't think the message has really gotten out there about how this is going to help people who aren't at the lowest levels of poverty, how this is not going, really going to hurt the middle class. And I think that the Democrats have a lot of work to do to sort of start making clear the bill's effect on the average American. I think if they can do that, um, they have a better chance of holding it up. I think Tim is right. They're under pressure to repeal and replace. But uh, to what end? You know, have they, have they shown us anything to show that this bill is going to improve health care quality? Is it going to reduce costs? At this point, we have no evidence at all that this is something worth doing. And the Democrats really have to get their message out there. Tim, more than Chuck Schumer saying mean-er, will we, lo will we learn more when the Congre Congressional Budget Office uh, releases a score next week? Yeah, I'm sure that we will. My guess is that the uh, it's going to come in on target with what they've been trying to do in terms of deficit reduction, because they have to get there to get it through the Senate um, with the with the uh, budget reconciliation rules, uh, and that it the CBO will probably score it as knocking fewer people off of uh, health coverage. Uh, because it is a little bit more uh, generous for lower-income people and people who live in high-cost areas and doesn't cut Medicaid quite as quickly, although it cuts it more dramatically in the long run. Uh, but how much, how much better it's going to look, I don't know. And again, as Abby has said, 
um, people who do get coverage are going to get such skimpy coverage that it will be virtually useless to them. About 30 seconds, Abby. Do the Democrats, in the short amount of time, if the bill gets voted on next week, have enough time to get the message out to middle-class people? Um, you know, that's up to them. I think that this hasn't been a lot of distractions with Russia and everything that's going on with Trump. He's very good at that. They've got to get out there. They have to pound the pavement. The first time this bill was before the House in March, I think there was a very effective effort to generate public outrage about the bill. We kind of let our guard down in May. The House bill got through. And the Democrats really have to wake up and get out there and start yelling at the top of their lungs about how this is going to affect you, you who makes $100,000 a year, how this All is right. going to affect we'll you. We'll have to leave it at that. Thank you, Abby Glenn. Luck of Yale University Law School and Timothy Jost of Washington and Lee University Law School. Coming up, Mayor de Blasio's plan to close down Rikers Island Jail. I'm June Grosso. You're listening to Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.